Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good. This is a good day, isn't it? Hey, you wouldn't know it, at least I hope you don't. This is my first time preaching since uh, we had a baby a couple weeks ago, uh, little Gwendolyn. Yeah, so it's been cool. And guess what? I didn't get much sleep last night. So later today, that's where I'll be. But for now, um, it's my privilege to welcome you into the house of the Lord, uh, family of this body, friends, if you're guests today, if you're joining us, if you're here with uh, other family, if you're in town for various reasons, um, welcome. Welcome. I hope that someone has made you uh, feel welcomed and, and welcome them in, into, your, uh, into, their, into their space today. Well, if this is your first time here, we are jumping in, you're jumping in with us at the end of the Gospel of Luke. We have been going through the Gospel of Luke Today we're in Luke 24. We have been walking through the Gospel of Luke since Thanksgiving, since the first Sunday in Advent, because we know in Luke 1 and 2, the the story of of Christ coming down to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And ever since then, we've just been discovering and, and learning and growing in the teachings of Christ that all lead up to his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And this is the gospel according to Luke, and this is where we are at today. And just as a, just as a, uh, just kind of set the framework here, Luke's challenge for us, for the reader, is for us to discover our, our place in the great drama of reconciliation as sons and daughters. And really what that means is he's drawing us in. And he's saying, hey, here it is. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Now come, follow. Be a son and a daughter of Christ. Amen. Follow Christ. Live into all that he proclaimed to be. Pastor Justin read this morning, Luke 24, the first six verses or so that we're so familiar with, with the women coming on the first day of the week and, and uh, coming to the empty tomb. And a little startled and a little um, trying to make sense of it all. And, and uh, the, the angel's telling them, he's not here. He's risen. He's gone. And so they go and, and they, they, they're, they're scrambling around. They want to go tell someone. So they go to the 11 and they tell them and the disciples. And uh, Peter didn't believe it, right? And so, so Peter runs to the, the tomb himself and stoops down in just to see if what they're saying is true. And we find out it is, and then through a series of, of, of verses here in Luke 24, 13 through 35, Jesus appears to two men on the road to Emmaus, on the road to uh, where they're going, and, and Jesus is like, hey, what's been going on around here? They're like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't know what's happened. And so they proceed to tell them, and then he engages with them, and uh, scriptures say that they sensed that, that they didn't know it was Jesus, that he was going to go on, but they invited him to stay, and as he broke bread with them that night, their eyes were opened, 
And they said, were our hearts not burning within us? Didn't we know when we were walking with him that this was something special? And he was He vanished. He's gone. And so he's revealing Christ in his uh, resurrected state is revealing himself to certain people along the way. And meanwhile, you have the disciples that are unsure. They, They haven't seen him and they're freaking out and they're in a locked room. And they're just kind of holding on. So like, what do we do now? (laughs) And that's where we come to today. Verse 36. Before we open up the word of God, I want to pray for us this morning. Father, this is the day that you have made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the gospel, for the new covenant, for Christ making a way for us. So Lord, I pray that the meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth would be pure in your sight, God. That as we read your word today, as we read this text, Lord, I pray that, it would, that the seeds of the gospel will be planted for a harvest in the hearts of the hearer today. Meet them where, we, where they are. But for my brothers and sisters in Christ, meet them where they are, wherever they've come in at today. Encounter them, oh God, with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we get into the word today, verse 36. It says, while they were telling these things, while they're saying, hey, this stuff's happening, he himself, Christ, stood in their midst and said, peace be to you. Peace be with you. Why do you think he said that? They were freaking out. Look on the next verse. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. They weren't sure what to do. And I'm reminded, I'm taken back to even Luke 1 and 2 as, as the angels of the Lord is, is appearing to people like the shepherds and, and to, to Mary and to Elizabeth and Zacharias. And, and so often they say, they greet them with peace. Because I would imagine it's a pretty scary encounter. So, they're, so there they are, the disciples. They're holed up. They're locked up in this place. Doors locked kind of figuring it out amongst themselves, and all of a sudden this man appears. Peace. And so we read that they were frightened. And then he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39, see my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands. He showed them his feet. While they still could not believe because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, got anything to eat? Got anything to eat? So, yeah, sure. So they give him broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it before them. What's that in there for? This morning I want to talk about three things. The reality, the revelation, and the response. The reality, the revelation, 
in the response. The reality goes like this. Christ physically rose again. He physically rose again. It wasn't just the spiritual, ghostly incarnation. He physically died and he physically rose again. 100% God, 100% man came back to life. He not only defeated sin of the, of the spirit, but of the flesh. He's there. And so he says, see with your own eyes. Hear with your ears the, my voice. Touch my scars. Don't you see it's me? Don't you see it's me? Christ physically rose again. He ate with them. Spirits don't eat or drink. And so Luke includes this in the scriptures. Him eating with them to provide physical sustenance and, uh, f- for his body, for his physical body. The reality is Christ rose. Christ rose. And so we read on. He said, now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me, that I've been talking to you about my whole ministry, the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. They must be. And then he opened their eyes, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Some versions say he opened their eyes. And he said to them, this is, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. He opened their eyes. He opened their eyes. You see, so long, so often the, the disciples were, um, were on this ministry walk with him, following after their teacher and, and learning from him and, and misunderstanding misrepre- and trying to decipher what he means when he says certain things. And now the mystery has been revealed to them. How many, of you have, uh, how many of you have done one of these things before? Recognize these, these goofy images, but there's something in them that it's like, hey, hold your nose on the paper and then pull away, you know, and look cross-eyed and you'll see something. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never been able to do that. I have an aunt who does that all the time. She's so good at it. She's like, yeah, here it is. Here's the, here's the face and the mouth and the whatever. Supposedly, this, this has a zero in it somewhere. But the thing is, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? Like once it's been revealed to you, once your mind has been opened to it and your, your brain sees it, you can't unsee it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just a random image. But, but, what, but so much of that is, 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 our, is my testimony, the revelation of Christ in my life, that I was this, and the revelation of Christ, the Gospels, receiving Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, seeing him work. I can't unsee it now. I can't un- undo it. I want to tell someone about it. 
And so we have the reality that Christ physically rose again, and now we've got the revelation where the mystery of our faith is revealed, where the things that were, that were vague, that were just hard to decipher, and the, the prophetic words, and they all came to be. And he did it. And he rose again, and he did it. And now, not only did he do it, but there's this new covenant where the old covenant was based on election, right? It was like, hey, you're, you know, you're born into this people group, and so you do the things and you're good, right? This new covenant is based on the forgiveness of sin through Christ's blood. There's resurrection, professing faith in him. And so this is the mystery of our faith. Mystery is something that can't fully be known or understood, right? And so we have these things in our lives. And as you grow, there are certain things that become clear to you. They're not mysteries anymore. You understand how they work. But for, for the gospel, for Christ, the mystery of our faith, we can't fully comprehend how in the world Christ was fully God, fully man, how in the world he can, he can conquer sin and death on the cross, you know, for me, my truck's a mystery. I'm not a mechanic. I don't understand anything about it. I'm, I'm happy to fix something around my house. You know, I'll learn to do it, whatever. It is a mystery to me how when I put that key in the ignition and start it up, it gets me to where I need to be. And uh, I wonder about it, and I think, huh. You know, for some of you, you, you understand. It's like it's simple. It's like this, this, and this, and it combusts, and it does that, and that's great. I trust you. I believe you. <laughs> For me, it's faith. I, I don't know how it works. How much more so the mystery of our faith revealed. I love the words of Paul in Philippians. Verse 7. Christ emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Helpless babe, right? We sung about it this morning. Helpless babe. How could this be? How could the... How could God empty himself to become one of us so that he could take on our sin so that we might have life? I can't know. I can't fully comprehend. Mystery number one. Mystery number two. Being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. How in the world? How can this be? So upon doing these things, he shows up to the disciples. So all things are revealed now finished so as we've been walking through the gospel of Luke it ought to do something right we start here with this babe in a manger Emmanuel God with us so much hope anticipation thank you father for sending us the Messiah the next 20 weeks we're learning the teachings of Christ we're learning to live like Christ, to act like Christ, to walk like Christ, to do these things. Then we get to 
The death, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ validates all this other stuff. Right? Like, all right. Now you see it, now you do it. Because all these things were fulfilled. The mystery of our faith, the mystery of the incarnation of Christ coming down to earth, the mystery of the cross, that he would take our place, and now all of a sudden we have freedom, we have grace, we have mercy. He's withholding judgment from us, wooing us with his love for us. And so we call it the mystery of our faith that he came, he died, he rose again, we sing about it all the time. Why do we sing about it? Because mystery leads to wonder, and wonder leads to worship. Mystery, we can't fully know. I love the words of uh, Warren Wearsby. He writes this in Real Worship. He says, the paradox of Christian worship is that we seek to see the invisible, to know the unknowable, to comprehend the incomprehensible, and to experience the eternal. That's what we do when we come into this place as the body of Christ. We come in with a sense of, we're here because of the mystery of Christ revealed to us. We're here because of the wonder that it generates, and we respond in worship. Say, God, we can't fully comprehend, so we're coming to you, and we're going to ascribe worth to you. We're going to worship you. We're going to sing about all that you've done. We're going to be equipped. We're going to be strengthened for what's ahead, for what's out there, and we're going to be sent Because you see, after the reality that Christ has raised, after the revelation, the opening of our eyes to see that he is the fulfillment of all things prophesied through the law of Moses and the the prophets and the Psalms, now we respond. We go and tell. Go and tell someone about it. Go and tell. So he finishes up this count. Jesus says, okay, you're my witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. What's the promise? The promise is the Holy Spirit. But you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Go and tell someone about it. Go and tell what you've witnessed. Go and write about the things. Don't hide it under a bush. Right? Don't cover it with a bushel. Open it up. Let your light shine. Go and tell someone. So my simple question to you today is this. What will your response be to the good news? What will your response be? You've been engaged with the reality. His his word has been revealed to you. You know now. And so how will you respond? How will you respond? I recognize today 
that this is a diverse group of, of people. That we have those in the room today that maybe are cynics, maybe are, are skeptical, maybe are, are still weighing through this. That's okay. My prayer for you today is that you would earnestly pursue them. Skepticism is okay because, I mean, we see it even in the disciples. I mean, they, did, they didn't understand and they were skeptical and cynical about certain things and, and, and broke down at certain moments. But they wrestled with that earnestly and honestly. And so I don't know the reasons. Maybe, maybe, maybe your cynicism is out of, uh, you know, you're agnostic, you don't, you, things can't fully be known. That's why we call it the mystery of our faith. That's why it takes faith. And that's why it takes the Holy Spirit. There's no formula. This greatest event of all time. But would you earnestly seek? Are you earnestly seeking truth? Maybe you're skeptical today because, well, you've seen his church. And you're thinking, you know what, if Paul was still around today, the American church would be getting a letter. <laughs> because of the way that I've watched people glamorize and accessorize the gospel and put it on their mugs and put it on their t-shirts and put it on their bumper stickers. They put it on everywhere but their hearts. And how can I be part of something like that? Where's the power in that? The power that I read about here. I'm not seeing it. And so you're skeptical. I don't blame you. My hunch is a lot of you are believers. You came today to celebrate something. Amen. We all have. But I still think there's two camps. There's the complacent and the committed. And I understand just sometimes things around, things in life happen and you lose jobs and seasons change and shift and good grief, we went through a pandemic of, of just the whole thing was flipped over and you're trying to get back to some sort of normalcy and you're still... And all of a sudden, you drifted down the river, and you look up, and you're like, how did I get here? And I want to say that the grace of God calls you back. That this is day one for you, to be grafted back into the family. To be back into the accountability. To be grafted back in to the edifying nature of the church strengthening one another, encouraging one another, texting one another, crying with one another, praying with one another. Because here's another thing Paul would say to the American church. While your faith is personal, it's not private. So quit thinking that it's this Jesus and me mentality. It's go and tell someone. The Great Commission is the great co-mission. We are on mission with Christ to share the good news to the world. And so if you are of me, I am the vine and you are the branch. Bear fruit. Do it. 
What are you doing? What are you waiting for? And so I understand this, 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 this thing that can, where you can just kind of drift and you're like, oh, I need to repent. I need to get back. Keep first things first. Great. Awesome. Like, let's do it. And it's not too late. And it's great. His grace and his love, it beckons and calls. Some of you, it's mismanaged priorities. You've just intentionally, maybe your kid's aged out, maybe whatever. You've just intentionally mismanaged priorities. You know, I think of the imagery of the, the jar, right? And it's like you have, you have the sand and the rocks, right? And it's like if you put all the sand in first, the rocks don't fit, right? Um, but what are those rocks? What are the rocks that you need to put first, keep first things first? Is the Sunday morning gathering a priority or not? Is your children being discipled? I can't, I'm blown away. I've not worked with my son on this. We were doing something together yesterday, and he starts singing the books of the Bible under his breath. It's because of our commitment to his growth. And guess what? We're working on soccer right now, and we're working on the fundamentals. That's not a rock. Soccer is not a rock in, in his life. It's the sand. The rock is Christ, and we're committed to that. And for others, the rocks have turned into, um, hey, got a place at the lake, or Sunday morning going to go, go golfing, or home renovation projects, or all these other excuses. The sun's out today. Let's do it. All these other excuses to just not be with the body of Christ. And as much as you want to think and believe, it's like return to the first thing. Be all in. Christ is a seasoning for you in your life right now. Make him the main course. Season your life with the other things. Make him the main thing. And whatever that looks like, and it's going to take sacrifice, and it's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. This isn't a typical Easter Sunday message either because there is hope. But we have to understand where we've been, and we have to understand what it takes to be a disciple. Because how he ends this is with a commission, with a command. That if you believe these things, the truth that's been revealed to you, do something about it. Go and tell. If you believe this, then do this. And so what will your response be? To the committed, listen, we need you. We are the people on the earth right now. To the committed follower of Christ, keep on keeping on. I know there's long days. I know it's hard. I know that there can be times where you just miss out on stuff. You just sacrifice stuff. Because your rock is Christ. And everything else is sand. And sand is good. Sand is fun. It's enjoyable. But there is a sacrifice that comes with following Christ. It's not just simply a profession of faith and for fire insurance and then just live life. Profession of faith means a life-changing trajectory of your life where you reorient everything. And so stay committed, stay the course, pursue, I love it. James reminds us, right, that you say you have faith, 
but I don't see it. But I can see your faith by your works, that you do have faith because you live into it. You're trusting into it. You're believing into it. But even when you don't understand, even when you don't see, you're believing in this mystery of Christ, this wonder, and you're going back to him. And so what will your response be to the good news? I want to end. We're going to worship. We're going to proclaim Christ once more as we leave. But guess what? There's grace here. There's mercy here. That today is a day of new things, right? And just just as an angel spoke into existence what was going to come and as the Holy Spirit went into a virgin and, and, and brought about the Messiah, the Messiah is over here planting seed once again into the lives of his church. Saying, now follow me, co-mission with me, co-labor with me. Spread the message, share the message. Come on, let's stand today. Because at the end of the day, this is called the good news because Jesus saves. It's the good news because he's Messiah. He's king, he's Lord over all. He's Lord over your circumstance. He's Lord, he's Lord over all that if you let him. If you throw up your hands and just repent and just say, God, less of me. Reposture, reorient my heart that I might be committed. And there's not, there's, there's difficult days. And there's days where you step back and there's days where what's your trajectory? You've grown closer to him. And if not, I can't think of a better day in the entire course of the year than right now. And tomorrow, there's going to be no other day in the course of the year than tomorrow. Whatever day, whatever time, that's the best time. So don't wait. Respond to him. Because he is worthy and because you need it. We need it. He came. And so, Father, we thank you. And we say, how could it be? This mystery of Christ revealed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that the word would become flesh and dwell among his people. To make a way in this new covenant, Father, we recognize that you fulfilled both your end of the covenant and you fulfilled our end because Christ took on the sin. He took on the shame. The condemnation. So that we could respond in wonder. That we could respond in thanksgiving. And that we might be able to go and So I pray that we would be a people marked with your spirit. I pray that we would be a people that if we cease to exist today, the community would be shaken because of what we're doing beyond these walls. Or that we don't want to be a community in on itself, but that this is where we go to be equipped, to be strengthened because we have a world that needs us and you commissioned us to be your hands and feet. And so how much more do we have to be with with the church body? Encouraging one another, praying all for your glory because we've received this truth and want to tell others about it. And so we do so with gladness. We do so with hope. We do so with assurance of the things to come. And we look forward to the second coming of Christ. 
glorify together with you. Until then, we seek you earnestly in mystery and wonder and worship. We pray in all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's respond and worship.
sang about rich in mercy, full of love. And if there's something I, I shared with you today and, and you're like, I need to know more, I want to learn more, please find me. Please reach out. Please email or call. Our contact information is in the bulletin. Our, uh, it's on our website. This is a journey, friends. It's a journey with the one who calls us sons and daughters. Calling us back to himself. It's a good thing. And so, Father, I pray blessing over these people today. Lord, I pray that the seeds of the gospel will be planted firmly on prepared soil, ready to receive it, that it might grow into a harvest, 10, 20, a thousandfold. But we're all standing here today, testimonies of someone else's faithfulness to go and tell. And so, Lord, 50 years from now, may there be people, when we are gone in this place, testifying to the goodness of God because of the seeds we show. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless these people, keep them, make your face shine upon them, and be gracious to them. That they would not be weary, but they would lift, you would lift up their heads. Lift it up to the cross. Lift it up to the hope. The one who is full of mercy, rich in love. You beckon us, you call us. And so I pray that we would be your people who respond. In Jesus' name, all God's people say amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the sunshine. It's a good day. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.